Well, welcome again, and my thanks to Jay and Terry and music team and everyone making worship possible this morning. We continue our series, Fired Up, in the book of Acts and applying that to our lives. And this morning we're looking at the unknown God as Paul speaks to those in Athens in the Areopagus. And it's a, it's a very famous moment in uh, the early church and in all the church. And so I invite you to listen to this from Acts 17, 17 through 34. And so Paul argued in the synagogue with the Jews and devout persons and also in the marketplace every day with those who had happened to be there. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated him. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was titling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him into the Areopagus and asked him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now, all Athenians and foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their experience and the boundaries of the places where they live, so they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day in which we will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some scoffed, but others said, We will hear you again on this. At that point, Paul left him, but some of them joined him and became believers, including Dionysus, the Areopagite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, we are looking at the unknown God this morning, and I don't know where you've been on your vacation, what your favorite trips on vacation are. Uh, my daughter and I, back in 2017, I believe it was, took our, our great trip out west, and we planned it for months and months in advance, and we went to Mount Rushmore, and we went over to Yellowstone, and uh, we were going to go to, and we did go to Albuquerque, and we went to uh, Colorado. It was wonderful, but one of the big stops that I was really excited about was the Grand Canyon, and my daughter said, what is, I don't want to go there. What's the Grand Canyon? And so I showed her pictures of the Grand Canyon. You know how you can never get a picture of the Grand Canyon that really gives it any kind of justice at all? And she said, Dad, it's just a big hole in the ground. Get over it. <laughs> she said that more than once. Dad, it's just a big hole in the ground. Get over it. And so I was building it up as we got there, and I said, well, just, we'll just wait and see. 
and we got to the Grand Canyon, and it was quite an adventure getting there, but we got there towards sunset and really took our first drive out and wanted to get there for the sunset, and we stood there, and she and I were both in awe, and she said, Dad, it's just, it's just beautiful. It's, just, it's a, beyond any imagination. No picture does it justice. And we were just inspired, and we spent several days there and hiked some of the trails and tried to see it in the, in the sunrise and every, every shade of the day, every time of the day, something new and beautiful about the, the Grand Canyon. There was some music playing. In the background was like Native American music. Sometimes we'd be in front of something, and we, in one place there's this little plaque that says, Creation speaks of your glory, right? Your hands have made this. And, and to this day, we, we say, we got to go back there. It's one of the most spiritual moments, one of the most spiritual places we've ever been. Have you ever been spoken to by God through creation in a, in a powerful way where you just felt God was whispering, maybe even shouting to you through creation? And so I want to keep that in the back of your mind this morning as we look at this passage that records this incredible moment of the Apostle Paul in Athens, in the marketplace, in the Areopagus. And we've been saying, we've been sort of traveling through Acts, seeing some bold moments. We see Stephen give his life, and uh, we've seen... The invitation, not just to the Jewish people, but also to all the Gentiles, all foreigners, every land and place, that God had an upper room experience. And we have challenged and invited us to open the windows of our hearts and minds in our church and allow the Holy Spirit to breathe and empower us that we can love and serve God better and love and serve our neighbor better. And we looked at a, a great moment last week as we look at the challenge of the church. And, and today we look at this moment, which I think is really important. And the, and the backdrop of it is this. Paul's on his second missionary journey uh, up there shortly. There we go. Uh, second missionary journey, first missionary journey, retrace that. But now Paul's doing his second missionary journey. And you recall last week we talked about that Paul and Barnabas had a falling out over John Mark, who had bailed on the first missionary journey. And uh, Paul, when he wanted to go again, Paul said, nope, you washed out. You're not going to get a second chance. And Barnabas said, no, we're going to give him a second chance. And it was like, you know, it was like uh, the band. We couldn't get the band together. And so uh, they broke up, and Paul took Silas, and Barnabas took John Mark. But God made two teams, and God does work through incredible ways. And Paul later reconciled with John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. We'll be looking at that, uh, the Gospel next year. But Paul is taking this second missionary journey with Silas. Last week, we saw them in a Philippian jail and how they were praising God at midnight, locked in a jail, and God sent an earthquake. And you can see the jail to this day is there. The uh, earthquake shattered the doors and uh, many of the rooms, and Paul was set free. And they stayed there, and uh, they witnessed to the Roman jailer, make sure that he didn't lose his life from letting the prisoners leave. And the jailer and all his family believed and were baptized. God uses these amazing things in our life. And we talk about how Paul later in life was in jail again, but God didn't send an earthquake. But Paul was used by God in that moment to write letters of encouragement. Throughout the Roman Empire, those letters come down to us today. And so God uses uh, different circumstances, different places. And God doesn't always do things exactly the same way. You know what I'm saying? God touches your heart and life and my heart and life in different ways, and we need to be open to that and open to the future. And now Paul and Silas have gone to Thessalonica, and Thessalonica is just before Athens, and we can't look at every passage. I challenge you to look at him, but I want to highlight one moment from Thessalonica. And so Paul goes to Thessalonica, and he goes to the synagogue first, and if you read it in the end of the previous chapter, beginning of 17, and Paul uses 
a lot of language from the Old Testament. He talks about the history of, of the Jews and the sacrifice and the promised Messiah. And, uh, and of course, uh, some people accepted, some people rejected it. But I love the turn of phrase they use. And when they were getting people against Paul, they said, these men have come and have turned the world upside down. They have turned the world upside down. Let me just ask you this morning, have you turned the world upside down? Have you turned the world upside down? I guess literally and figuratively because what is poor is often rich in God's kingdom. What is foolish is sometimes wise, but also they're just shaking things up. Giving everything they've got, things aren't always going as planned, but because of the Holy Spirit, they're turning the world upside down here as they did everywhere else. And I just want to challenge us this morning that maybe, maybe we need to turn the world upside down just a little bit more, like Paul and Silas. Not by maybe intentionally turning the world upside down, but if you and I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and speak truth with courage, amazing things can happen, and God, through the Holy Spirit, can turn the world upside down. Now, in this moment, Paul goes to Athens, and everybody hung out at the Areopagus right there. Okay, and uh, it was the marketplace. It was a forum not just to buy and sell all the goods and, and talk about people, but Athenians, even to this day, love and are proud of debate. They love. You have all the philosophers hang out there, and uh, people just exchange ideas. And so Paul went there, and it, there wasn't really a big synagogue. So it's interesting because Paul in this moment begins to speak, and I would like you this week sometime to read Paul in Thessalonica and Paul in Athens. And you know what you're going to see? You're going to discover that there's not a single word that is the same. And why is that? Why is that, friends? Because what would happen if Paul was talking to the Athenians who were Stoic philosophers, Epicurean philosophers, started talking to him about all the Jewish sacrifices in the Hebrew Scriptures? And God's promises of Messiah. They don't have a clue about what he's talking about. But Paul, in an amazing moment of cross-cultural communication, uses this, this monument to an unknown God that is still there to this day and gives him a great compliment and says, I see you're religious people. And I see everywhere that I go that you are about religious kinds of things. And you know God through creation, all it is, just as he echoes in Romans chapter 1, and I want to tell you about the unknown God. And Paul begins to take the message of the gospel and beautifully form it into something that they would know. Is that not powerful to you? To the God in whom we live and move and have our being. I mean, this is one of the most powerful speeches throughout the Bible in this moment where Paul is just struggling to communicate it, and I challenge you to look at it, and you put that against the previous chapter, and you're going to see an amazing moment in church history. Now, what happens in our lives for most of us? Well, first of all, we need to gather the courage to share our faith, right, in a way. But for a lot of us, when people ask us, what we believe, you know, and today, by the way, we live in a world that basically is not Christian. You know, it's not 1950 anymore. I mean, everybody was never Christian anyway, right? Never, everybody was never always raised in a Sunday school, but today the majority of people are not. And so when someone asks you to share your faith and you start talking about righteousness <laughs> and propitiation and maybe even the cross, 
And all these Messiah, Christ, all this, and they're just lost, right? Maybe what you need to do when you're sharing your faith is lose some of the church speak. I know you love that church speak. I hear you talking all the time. It's fine when we're in church and people know what's going on. But out there in the culture today, in the sea of ideas that's very much like the Arabopagus, maybe you could just share from your heart what God has done for you like Paul did with the Athenians. You could just lose some of all that baggage and all the theology talk and everything else. And I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to pastors, too, some of the worst at it. I really struggle. I try very – I look at it every week and try to say, how does this sound not just here in this church, but it goes around the world. Honestly, I hear from people around the world. How are we doing today with that? Man, I think Paul has something to say to us about sharing our faith. How has God changed your life? Can you share that and then also invite people not just to do it the way you did it, whatever that was, but how can you say it in a way that invites them into knowing God? And I want to just say that there's at least three ways that God speaks to us in a broader context. And the first is creation. Man, like Savannah and I in the Grand Canyon, if you had a moment where God just spoke to you through creation, you need to open your eyes and open your heart because God is there in the Cathedral of Creation. One of my favorite theologians, very different, is Teilhard de Chardin, a French uh, theologian. Gotta love saying that. But his, his last name means the garden, so of course. Uh, but he talked about the Cathedral of Creation. He was an anthropologist, very famous anthropologist, by the way, and uh, talked about how God speaks through creation in different ways. And one of my favorite scientists is Hugh Ross, who's an astrophysicist was not a believer at all in God. He was an atheist. And one day, looking through a telescope in one of the great planetariums in our country, he looked out across the starry night sky, and it occurred to him that the very same laws of gravity and motion that are here on our planet, our home Earth, are the same ones all the way across the universe. And that as he looked at that, he said it is just too much to be an accident. And so that led him to believe in God and eventually led him to believe in Christ. He had a journey of faith, but he found God whispering to him through a telescope as he looked at the night sky. Abraham had a moment when God whispered to him, when he was up in years and the promise that God had given him for a son and an heir that would bless all nations as he neared 100 years old just didn't seem within reach. But he opened his tent, his home, to three strangers. And after that, he looked into the night sky, and God whispered to him and said, See the stars in the sky that can't be counted. So will your offspring be. And Abraham was strengthened in that moment. All of us can have moments like that, and I challenge you to do that too. And then God also whispers to us through the community of faith, particularly when we're at our best. <laughs> Sometimes God's got his work cut out for us. But uh, you and I can whisper a word of encouragement, and we can show and model love of community that we should, and God does amazing things. You can find God in church every Sunday, and we have Monday morning coffee. You can come in here, or the church is open throughout the course of the week. You can come here and just let the stained glass speak to you. Let God's Holy Spirit breathe to you. Listen Sunday to God's word and reread it in the course of the week. Think about it. Don't just sit there. Actively listen and examine your heart and life, and you will find the Holy Spirit is whispering to you, calling you to prayer, calling you to change, calling you to serve others as we go forth from here. And then there's moments that are just sort of like God moments. God moments where, where God is sort of just touching you. Sometimes it's through something 
joyous. Man, when you see a baby, it's like, wow, are you kidding me? Oh, man, we had a couple babies here last Sunday, and it's just like, man, if you don't see God in that moment smiling, sometimes, honestly, it's through tragedy. That is not my favorite way that God whispers, but sometimes God wraps his Holy Spirit of love and the loving arms of Christ around us in a tragedy, and God is there in such a present way that it's not like any other regular season in life, and you feel the presence of God in a way you never would before because God has promised to be there. Now, you don't wish that tragedy on you or anybody else, but God is there. And I have felt that so many times, whether it's in a hospital room or as we have celebrated someone's life in this sanctuary. And then more than anything else, God is a God who seeks to be known. And we know God more than anything else in the life and death and resurrection of our Lord, who came to seek and to save the lost. And in Christ Jesus, our Lord, we see the love of God. So friends, as you think about God in your own experience and you try to share God with others, I challenge you to allow your heart and life to be, to be changed and to communicate that and to be communicated in a way that is, um, that is creative sometimes as we try to be cross-cultural kinds of people. And, and sometimes even, I must say, there are moments when, um, for myself, uh, this past year, I was called to be I am the, the chaplain for Purdue Air Force ROTC, and I was asked to be the chaplain that uh, prayed, did an invocation, and also the benediction at the Joint Commissioning Service for all the ROTC at Purdue, and then also at the commencement at Purdue. The president had uh, asked me to do that of um, Purdue. And in those contexts, it's, it's not just different denominations, it's different faith. And um, the administrators always get really nervous <laughs> because they don't want you to say something that's going to offend another faith, and yet they want to have a, a God moment in that moment. And I'm always able to write back and say, I got it. I'm trained by the Air Force and know how to do that in a sort of a multicultural and a multi-faith situation. And, uh, and it kind of alleviates them, and then you, you show that. But you might not be able to preach the whole gospel, but there's a way to pray to the Most High, even as Paul did here that touches people, that invites people, that doesn't offend people, that invites people to know God more. And it's such a, such a, a very beautiful note of appreciation, but also sort of course that people were so glad that there was a holy moment in those services for many families, for their sons and their daughters going off to serve, possibly to war um, in the Purdue commencement where people are going to all walks of life, but to have a holy moment that appreciates people of different faith and different walks in life, but invites people maybe to know the Creator in a deeper and more powerful way. So today, as you think about Paul in this moment that is different than any other moment in Paul's life, look at how Paul responded. Man, what a powerful moment. And all the people had to just be transfixed. Stoic philosophers, Epicurean philosophers, different philosophers, people with no philosophy. But here's this guy speaking to the unknown God. And by the way, the unknown God who wants to be known, who can be known through creation, who can be known through the community of faith, who can be known through sort of God moments, God whispers in your life, can be known most of all through Christ. But God is the God who desires to be known. Are you able to speak from your heart, without some of the church speak, and share what God has done for you. I'm going to close with a true story that I love. And you may know of Helen Keller, of course, uh, the woman who was um, blinded 
as very young and didn't know the world around her. And uh, in the days, we're talking about the 1800s there, early when she was uh, introduced, they had no way of speaking. There was no Braille. And she could not see. Uh, she could not speak because of the circumstances. And, and she couldn't hear. And so Annie Sullivan was brought to her, really just sort of calm her down. But Annie Sullivan had great dreams for Helen Keller. And she began to teach Helen Keller how to um, know a flower by touching it, right? And then she would try to explain colors, which was really hard, obviously, for someone who's blind, never seen color. But Helen Keller was doing pretty well. And one day, Annie Sullivan asked her if she knew what love was. Love. And Helen Keller said, I know flower and I know tree, but what is this love? Well, began a journey, but to make a bit of a long story short, Helen Keller found love through the life of Annie Sullivan. Because Annie Sullivan gave her life for Helen Keller, just poured her life into Helen Keller that she could do the things. And Helen Keller went on to do amazing things. As a woman, been pretty much a man's world at that time, but someone who was blind, who was deaf, couldn't speak, but she did amazing, accomplished amazing kinds of things that opened the doors for countless blind people through the ages. And she knew love through the life giving her and loving her through Annie Sullivan, her teacher. Later in life, Annie Sullivan, who was a person of faith, wanted Helen Keller to know about faith. And so she called on Philip Brooks, the famous Episcopal priest who wrote O Little Town of Bethlehem. And she had him come to Helen Keller and try to explain about God. And after he would be, has been with Helen Keller for a while and through Annie Sullivan, she said something beautiful. She said, I've always known there was a God of love, but I never knew his name until today. Lose some of whatever the baggage you have is, and it all has its place. But don't be confined by your church speak or whatever you grow up on. Set yourself free like the Apostle Paul, like Annie Sullivan, to speak God's word in a way that is true to your experience and true to life and invite others in a way that is refreshing, that opens the doors of their hearts and lives to the God who created all things, who created the cathedral of creation, who whispers to us through the Holy Spirit in so many God moments, who is present with us this morning and who speaks greatest in the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and your word that speaks to us for this bold and creative moment of the Apostle Paul, inviting all of us to know the unknown God who seeks us and wants to be known. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, and all God's people said, Amen.